tonight. I want, I want to help you tonight. Here's what we're going to talk about tonight. If I have Jesus, why do I need people? Uh-oh. If I have Jesus, why do I need people? We used to sing a song years ago. I want you to judge this song by the Bible. And this, I, I like the song. We sang this song years ago. A lot of groups sang this song. It went like this. Christ is all I need. Christ is all I need. Je- don't, don't amen. You know it's a trap. <laughs> Jesus is all I need. He satisfies my soul desires. Jesus is all I need. True or false? False. False, according to the Bible. If Jesus is all I need, why do you put people in my life? I can tell we got to learn something tonight. All right, Genesis chapter one. <laughs> Genesis chapter one. You understand this is creation. There was everything, we need to learn Genesis, the early of Genesis. Everything goes back to creation. Genesis 1:26. The father said, let us, who's the us? Who's he talking to? Let us make man in our image. Who's he talking to? He's talking to Jesus. Jesus, John chapter one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God, Jesus, and the word was God. All things were made through him. So he said, let us make man in our image. All right, listen to what he said. He'd already created everything there was. The, the planet, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, uh, greenery, the, everything's created. He said, now let's make man in our image. <clears throat> and six times through that creation process, he's, he saw everything he made. He said it was good. It is good. It is good. Six times. I want you to look at the first thing in the Bible that was not good on this planet. It's in Genesis chapter two, um, verse 18, Genesis two eighteen. The Lord said, it is not good. That's the first thing not good in the planet that a man should be alone. He wasn't alone. I thought him and God walked and talked every day. I thought they had each other. I thought they walked in the garden together. They did. And we don't know how long a period it was between Adam's creation And when the father said this, but they had each other. And all of a sudden he said, this is not good that this man's alone. What did he say? But I will make a, look at the word. Some Bibles say helper. Some Bibles say help meet. Now listen to this. By creation, we are not designed to live apart from people. Can you see it? God created us. And by creation, we are designed to need people. That's proven in Genesis chapter 2. Verse 18, he said, it's not good that a man should be alone, but I will, I will make a helper for him. The word helper is very important because that tells us what people are supposed to do with each other. Now, remember, at this place in the Bible, sin hadn't come in the earth yet. It's still a perfect earth. So you know what the story, he put him to sleep, created this woman. Tell me what God's original design is for people to do with each other. It's found in the word helper. Take a wild guess. We're supposed to help each other. I will make a help meet. Somebody to help meet the demands of life. All right? We need people in our lives. You, you can know Jesus as deep as anybody ever knew Jesus. That's not enough. You need people. And you need people in your life to help you meet the demands of life. But what was our original design? To help each other. Now, you know what the problem is today? After this comes the fall of humanity and sin comes in the earth. And as we talked about Sunday, the human heart's infected. And instead of helping each other, we started hurting each other. People started hurting each other. You know, chapter three is where the fall came. And by the end of chapter three, they're hurting each other. Chapter four, they're killing each other. God does not design people to hurt each other. God didn't mean for people to kill each other. God meant for people to do what? Help each other. It's not good that you're by yourself. You need people in your life. And the reason I put people in your life is so you can help one another. All right. So where Jesus comes And he he sacrifices his life on a cross to bring us back to the kingdom of God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth 
One day we'll have a perfect kingdom. We have a little bit of it today. But if we go back to kingdom, it's simply to go back to original plan. What's, what's the plan in kingdom? People quit hurting each other, start helping each other. You need people in your life to help you. And people need you in their life to help them. And I want us to look in scripture tonight at what the Bible teaches. God uses people in your life. He could do it. All right, let's, let's, let me ask you a question. Could he not have created me to where I didn't need people? Sure. He could be all I need. And me and him could just have a grand time on this planet. But he designed me and he designed you to need people. It's by his design that you need people. That you need more than Jesus. You need people in your life. And people need you. All right, we're going to look in Scripture tonight, how this works in our lives. I want you to listen to what I teach you tonight in Scripture. And then I'm going to ask you, who is this in your life? Have you got these people in your life? The Bible says you need four people in your life. You need four. Every person, by God's design, needs four people in their life. Let's look at them tonight. Number one, everybody, you need a Paul in your life. And by Paul, I mean this. You need a spiritual father or a spiritual mother in your life. This is his design. Turn with me to 1 Timothy. Turn your Bibles all the way to the other side, 1 Timothy. We're going to break them in tonight. The Bible talks about spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers. And every one of us need a spiritual father or a spiritual mother in our lives. And I want you to look at the picture of this. 1 Timothy. Um, Timothy was a young pastor and Paul was a much older man. And Paul was the, uh, the, not only the leader... He was the bishop over a bunch of churches. Timothy had one of those churches. But more than that, he was a spiritual father to this young man. Look with me in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ, by the commandment of God, our Savior, Jesus, our hope, to Timothy, a what? A true son in the faith. You read 2 Timothy, it says, Paul, an apostle, to Timothy, a beloved son. Beloved means deeply loved. So what was Timothy to Paul? He was his son. And it was, a, it was a father-son relationship that he had. And all through scripture, you see this where uh, he had spiritual fathers. Of course, we, and girls need spiritual mothers. But what, what is the purpose of a spiritual father? What's the purpose of having somebody? Now, they're not above you. They're just further down the road than you are. What's the purpose of a spiritual father or a spiritual mother? In the scripture, we see three purposes. Number one is to encourage you. You need people to encourage you that, that have been where you want to go. Number two is to instruct you. Uh, how many of you, when you were young, wish somebody had taught you some things? Amen. That's what a spiritual father is. He's to, and not just spiritual things, he's to instruct you in the things of life. And uh, look with me. If you read the letters of First and Second Timothy, it, it is like the heart of a father poured out, teaching this young man, here's how you handle people. Don't, don't let this bother you. Here's what, it's just the heart of a father in a letter to a son. Well, what's our father saying to me and you? This is his desire that people have a spiritual father. Look, look with me just at, uh, let's look just a little bit. First Timothy chapter four. First Timothy chapter four. I want you to listen to this older man talking to this young man that he loves so much. Verse 12, let no one despise your youth. <laughs> Why do you tell him that? He's a very young man. There are 27 churches in the New Testament. Three were huge. We'd call them mega churches today. And he put him as a very young man, pastor in this large church. And he said, don't, don't let the people think fuss at you because you're young. I put you there for a reason. And of course, he should have told him not to despise your youth, but be an example to the people. Uh, verse 16, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them for in doing so, you'll save both yourself and those who hear you. And all through these letters, he's instructing him, do this, do this. Here's how you do this. Here's how you do this. But also, let me show you what else he did for him. Look in verse 7 of chapter 4. 
reject profane and old wives' fables. We call it gossip today. Six times in these two letters, he tells him, son, do not get caught up in stupid discussions. Don't waste your time arguing with people you can't help. And you, you just hear a father's heart poured out in these two letters. This was their relationship. Not only in First and Second Timothy, but through the other epistles. You see them talking back and forth to each other. And uh, matter of fact, Second Timothy wrote his father a letter and said, I really appreciate you sending me here at this job. I quit. <laughs> and he writes him a letter back and says, no, you don't either. And you just hear the heart of a father through this thing. Demons, people need spiritual fathers to instruct and to encourage uh, you can hammer stuff out by bumping your own head. But wouldn't it be nice if you had somebody who'd been there before could help you through stuff? That's the purpose of a spiritual father or a spiritual mother. Now, Titus chapter 2, verse 2 says this. We won't look at it. It says this. I would that the older women teach the younger women how to love their husbands, care for their children, have their homes. And the pattern all through the Bible is that older people will help younger people and teach them and instruct them and love them. But I want you to look at this. Let me tell you what all of us need right here. Look with me in uh, 2 Timothy. Turn the page, maybe one page, 2 Timothy chapter 1. I want to show you something here. I'm real big on this right here. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And, and again, 2 Timothy, same thing. The heart of a father telling him what to do, helping him. Hold fast, verse 13, 2 Timothy 1, 13. Hold fast to the what? The pattern of words which you have heard from me. What, he, what, what did this man call himself to Timothy? He said, I'm your pattern. He said, whatever you've heard me say, you talk like that. There was everybody needs a pattern. We don't use the word pattern today. What's our word? Mentor. He said, I'm your mentor. I want you to turn me to the book of Philippians and look at something. I hope you have one of these right here. Everybody needs these. Philippians chapter uh, three, I think it is. Yep. Dear ones, uh, God designed us to need to look to people and learn things from this. Well, why, why can't we just learn it from Jesus? Because he wrote in the Bible, you need to learn some things from people. And he put people in our lives to do this. I love this verse right here. And I encourage, I encourage my young guys to do this. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians 3 verse 17. Watch this. Brethren, join in following my what? Example. And note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. What do he say? You find people like me. And what does pattern mean? You pattern your life after their life. What does the Bible teach here? You need to find people that are further down the road than you are. This would be a spiritual father, mother, somebody you can shape your life after. And you just pattern your life after them. Uh, to, to, listen, this is such a, uh, this is so needed today. Let me make an announcement. We got too many bad patterns in the culture today. We got too many people wanting to grab the microphone. They are not good patterns. Listen, especially younger people, you need a Paul in your life. You need somebody that you admire. They're where you want to be. You can look at them and say, so that's how you do it, huh? That's a pattern. That's a spiritual father or somebody you can talk to, somebody you can call and ask questions about. Now, listen, um, I, want, I want every one of you to do something. So, Brother Brown, I'm older than dirt. I've still got patterns at this age. I want you to pray. This is God's word. I want you to pray and say, Father, who can, I put, who can you put in my life or show me somebody that I can watch as a pattern that can encourage me and help me? It's biblical that we help each other like this. All right, if you're going to find a spiritual father, spiritual mother, uh, I pulled from First and Second Timothy that there's six traits you need to find in a person. Number one, and, and let, me, let me just say this. I never had this. I never had a preacher or an older man that I could look to to say, that's where I want to be in life. 
That's who I want to be like right there. I never had anybody I could just watch. I never had anybody I could go to and ask questions. And so my curve was a lot longer than it needed to be over the years. But man, if I'd have had somebody that I could have spent time with and, and, and could have called on the phone and said, they're driving me nuts. What do I do? And he'd have had the wisdom of God. Or if I'd have had a pattern, life would have been so much better. But I did. I did the next best thing. I picked out a man. I, you know, I couldn't get to know him personally. He'd written a lot and spoken a lot. So I picked out a man that I could get into his life. And I found him and I said, that's where I want to be right there. That's the man I want to be like when I uh, get old. And I want to follow his pattern. And I did that for years. Still do somewhat. And I think everybody needs this. We need these people. But let me tell you what the Bible says about people that you're going to pattern yourself after. All right. There's six things this scripture says. And you can find this where he said to Timothy, be an example to the believer. And he listed them. Number one, always, number one, always character. You, you want a spiritual father, spiritual mother, somebody, you can they got character. Sterling, I'm not talking about perfect because there's no perfect person except Jesus. But I mean, they just got character. And I knew as a young man, I'm not going to follow somebody that's stealing stuff on the side and lying and carrying on. Find somebody that's got great character. Dear ones, I'm going to say it over and over. Your talent will get you there. Only your character can keep you there. Character is the bedrock of everything that lasts. Your, your giftedness will get you. How many gifted, great people do I know that got to the top, but their character brought them straight down? Find you somebody who's got great character. I mean, I mean they, and they, they just glow in the character. Number two, find, listen to this. Let me tell you what he, he told young Timothy. He said, be an example to the believers in spirit. You want to find somebody who's got spirit about it. And that's a little less. It's not Holy Spirit, a little less. Uh, don't, don't model yourself after somebody that burps and eats cheeseburgers and turns over. The word spirit meant, meant they're alive, they're passionate about things, they're driven. Find you somebody that's going to do something in life. You don't need a pattern to sit down the rest of your life. Find somebody that's got, look at their spirit. Number three, vision. Find somebody that's got a godly vision. And they, they want to do what Jesus put them on this earth to do. And they're a driven people. And they have a clear vision of what they want to do in life. Number four, find somebody that's got great faith. Everything rises. Listen, you can be a great person and know the Bible and have no faith. We want to find people who've got great faith because apart from faith, the kingdom cannot come on this earth. And that's the reason I chose the man I chose because he was a man of great faith and he was a risk taker uh, in faith. And you want to find people that have got faith about him. You know, they hear the voice of God. And number five, find people that walk in the love of Jesus. They're great forgivers. They love people. They care about people. Since if I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am nothing. You find somebody that loves like Jesus loved. That'll be the most, find the most loving person you can find and be like them. That, that's a mentor. Let me throw in one more here. Find somebody that cares about family. You want to find a family man. And uh, dear ones, you listen, career's number, you, you know, Jesus is number one, family's number two, career's down there about number eight, right behind fishing and duck hunting. I mean, get, get, get career down there where it belongs. But get family up there where it belongs. And listen, don't, don't just pick somebody out because they're cute. Find somebody who's got what you long for and what you admire and say, and uh, I, I, listen, I like listening to Chris Ballard and some. Chris was just a brand new Christian. He became a Christian as a, as a grown man. He was a mechanic. He's one of our great teachers in the nation day. And he said, I'm just, and their, their church, their little denom, not denomination, their little group, they really press for people to have spiritual fathers and mothers. And he said, I'm praying, Lord, I, I need a spiritual father. I don't know what to do. And he said, and, and I worked on this guy's car one day. And he said, I'm working on his car. And God just impressed on my heart, that man could be your spiritual father right there. So I don't even know the man. I don't know if he's a Christian or not. And he said, but it just, just in my heart, I kept feeling that. 
And he said, the guy came to get his car and I told him what was wrong with it and said, I, I was embarrassed to ask him. And, and he even backed out. He started down the drive. I ran out and said, wait, wait. And so the guy stopped, rolled down the window. He said, hey, listen, I said, would you be my spiritual father? <laughs> said the guy got out with tears and eyes, hugged me, said, I'd be glad to be your spiritual father. And for years he was. You need to pray God put somebody in your life like that that you can sort of look up to. Uh, not, they're not above you at all. They've just been where you want to go. There was no, don't pick a prisoner. <laughs> pick somebody who can get you where you want to be. You find a man that's, that treats his wife like gold and has done well in family, follow him. Find you a pattern. And that's why the scripture gave us these people. And uh, somebody that you, boy, wouldn't it be nice to call somebody? I'm talking with a preacher uh, a little while back and he said, uh, I was so excited about getting my first church. He'd been an associate pastor for years. He said, I got my first church. I was so excited. Said after about 30 days, I was thinking, I ain't got nobody. I can go across the hall and ask now. He said, you know, in my other church, I could go ask the pastor. He said, I've got nobody to talk to now. And uh, there was, you you need somebody you can call. Somebody, you need a Paul in your life. That's why the Bible puts so much about this in here, that this man was a pattern. Number two, let me tell you what you need in your life. You need a Barnabas in your life. Now, Paul's somebody that's sort of ahead of you. They, they're where you want to be someday. Barnabas is somebody right beside you. All right, let me show you something. Turn to me to Acts chapter 13. I maybe think the apostle Paul was pretty spiritual. That's a deep question, ain't it? He wrote half the Bible, half the New Testament. But even this great spiritual man who'd seen visions in heaven, look who, look who the Lord said he needed in his life. This Lone Ranger American stuff does not fit in with God's plan. We're suffering because we're going it alone. We need people in our lives. And I don't mean you need warm bodies around you. You can have warm bodies. You can be in a room with a thousand people and be alone. I'm talking about heart connection with people. I look at me in Acts chapter 13. This is the church at Antioch. One of the other three big churches. The church was at Antioch. There were certain prophets and teachers and it lists five of them. Verse two, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit spoke and said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul or Paul for the work to which I've called them. They fasted, prayed for him. Verse four, being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia. What happened here? They're praying together and the Holy Spirit said, I'm going to connect you two men together. These men were equals. Both of them loved Jesus. Both of them were at the same place in their journey. But he said, I want y'all to do everything together. And you read the rest. They always traveled together. They did everything together. They encouraged each other. They shared with each other. You need a Barnabas in your life. You need somebody that's at the same level you are spiritually, you know, close. You need somebody that's about your age. You need somebody in your life that that you can connect with. And uh, let me tell you what the scripture says about finding a Barnabas. Somebody that you can uh, work with in your life. There's three things the scripture says about a Barnabas. Number one. The Bible said if you, in this relationship, a, a Barnabas, or this, I don't know what else to call them. I just call them a Barnabas. They will sharpen you. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. This is a friend that, that you can, listen, this, you're, you're a better person because you're around them. That's what it means to sharpen. You're better because you're around them. They, they push you on. And the, this is, uh, we don't do it now. We have knife sharpeners. But back in that day, you took two swords and you sharpened them against each other. They had to hit at the right angle. If you hit at the wrong angle, you'd break each, other, break each other's swords. But you could sharpen a sword on us. That's why he said, as iron sharpens iron, two swords sharpen each other. Two people that get in this, they'll make each other better for being together. You need people that push you. 
And this will be a dear close friend to you. So number one, they sharpen you. The Bible says, number two, the Bible said they will refresh you. Over and over in scripture, you hear people talk about being refreshed. Let's, uh, let's look at one of them. Turn back with me to 2 Timothy. Uh, well, I'll tell you, turn to, turn to 1 Corinthians Turn to Genesis 1 again. Turn to 1 Corinthians 16. <laughs> let, me, let me pick one here. Now, dear, let me show you something. This great man, the Apostle Paul, uh, he's probably the most brilliant theologian that ever lived. He'd been, up, he'd been into the very throne room of God. Let me tell you what everybody needs. Everybody needs somebody to encourage them. That's what, that's what a, uh, that's what, that refreshment means to encourage somebody's spirit. And a lot of people don't see this in scriptures, but numerous times he talked about a man who refreshed his spirit. I was going to show you 2 Timothy where he said, Onesimus. Onesimus was not afraid of my chains and he often refreshed my spirit. This is a close personal friend of Paul's that he was spent time with and said, every time I got around him, my spirit was just encouraged. Uh, look with me at 1 Corinthians 16. See if you ever heard of these guys right here. 1 Corinthians 16, 17. I am glad about the coming of Stephanus. 1 Corinthians 16, 17. I am glad about the coming of Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus. You ever heard of them guys? I didn't think so. What was lacking on your part? Verse 18. They refreshed my spirit and yours. The Bible offers these guys refreshed each other. Listen, you need somebody in your life that encourages you. Just to be around them inspires you and encourages you. So they need, to, they need to push you, sharpen you. You need to be a better person. But they also need the, the New Testament word for refresh is to encourage you, build you, or build you up, edification. And uh, I, I hope you got a person like this in your life. You say, well, who is Jesus? Jesus is wonderful. And the spirit of God's bring refreshing. Why does he talk about this in the Bible? He wants to have people in your life that can do this. And obviously you do this for people too, people in your life. All right. <clears throat> America's built a culture where we don't have time for this and we're suffering because of it. We need people, we need to go back to, we need to become a relationship-based society instead of a time-based society. We need relationships. You need people in your life. I got to visit with a fellow Monday. We used to live near each other years ago and we were twin sons of different mothers. We were just absolute twins. I love being around him. Both of us love Jesus crazy. We love our wives. We're family-oriented. Both of us are neurotic-driven to accomplish, which is not so good. That's why they put folks like us together. And both of us just love to encourage people. We live, we're just alike. And had the, we would have the best time. They just, when we were together, something just arced. And it was just so refreshing. Well, that's what Barnabas and Paul were to each other. Listen to what the Holy Spirit said. I'm putting you two guys together to take care of each other. Let him put you with somebody to do that. You need a Barnabas in your life that can do that with you. And then the third thing a lot of people don't understand this. The third thing this person does in your life, this is one person that you let deep into your heart and you let them look inside you and they help you in that. Now, this is where Americans balk on this, but let me show you what scripture says. Turn with me to James chapter five. This has to be a person you trust greatly. James chapter five. Americans are, uh, we're very surfacey people and we tend to play act a lot. I mean, we're, you know, our job's falling apart. Our marriage is falling apart. Kids doing terrible. How you doing? Fine. Praise the Lord, brother. I'm doing fine. Oh, we've been trained like it. This nation's like that. And that, listen, you don't need to air your dirty laundry in front of everybody. But you need one person in your life you can speak truth to. You need a person in your life you can open your heart to. Let me teach you something here about this. James chapter 5 is talking about helping with our problems. See if you've got anybody like this in your life. 
Verse 16, let's read one verse, James 5, 16. Confess your trespasses, your sins to the Lord. Is that what it says? What does it say? Tell them to somebody. Now let's just time out right there. I thought the Bible said I was supposed to confess my sins to Jesus. 1 John 1, 9 says this. If we confess our sins to Jesus, he is faithful and just to forgive us. Why did he tell me to tell it to somebody? I'll be honest with you. I don't mind telling Jesus. He won't tell nobody else. I'm a little unnerved about telling you what I've been up, up to on the inside. But what does the Bible say in James 5, 16? Confess your trespasses, sins, faults to who? You find you a person you can talk to like this. This is, that, this is that Barnabas in your life. Confess your trespasses to one another and then do what? Pray for each other. Pray for each other that you might be what? Healed. This is one person in your life where you can say, I got, I got to talk to you about something. And you know they won't judge you. They won't look down their nose at you. They're on the same spiritual journey you are, so they understand the battle that's going on within. And you can tell, you can open, you can spill your guts to this person. And you can trust them. And they can do the same with you. Wouldn't it be great to have somebody like that in your life? That you can just open your heart to and not be rejected and not be uh, castigated. Then I'm going to tell you something. Everybody struggles. Amen. Amen. No, I need more than two amens out of that. Everybody struggles. Amen. But our culture has built such a culture that we have to put on a happy... And that, again, we don't need to just in front of everybody, but you need a person you can talk to. Uh, listen to what I'm fixing to say. The Bible tells me in 1 John to confess my sins to the Lord, but it tells me in James 5, confess them to a person. What's the difference? If you want to get your sins forgiven, tell them to Jesus. What does James 5, 16 say? If you want to get healed, you better talk to somebody else. A lot of people have the same sins over and over. The Bible calls it in Hebrews 12, calls it a besetting sin. That's, that's the one area that you just struggle in. Might be, it's just, you just have trouble with this area. Well, see, if you make a mistake and confess it to Jesus, he'll forgive you. You bring a friend on the side and pray for you, you'll get healed from that stuff. That's the purpose of having people like this in our lives. So what's the purpose of a Barnabas in my life? My, he sharpens me. My life's better because he's in it. That, this guy pushes me and he pushes me down the highway. What's the second thing? He encourages me. He refreshes my spirit. I just enjoy being around people like this. All right, let me help you with this. Uh, we need to balance our lives. And the Bible talks about, the modern term is uh, borders. Y'all ever heard of borders? You need borders in your life. Boundaries, boundaries. Everybody in your circle fits in one of three categories. Jesus had the same thing. Everybody in your circle either drains you. There's nothing wrong with that. You need those people. Or they either, they either break even, they don't affect you one way or the other, or they refresh you. What happens when everybody in your circle is in column number one? You need a balance. You need people in your life that refresh you. And there's nothing wrong with pouring into people. Everybody needs a Barnabas in their life. This is somebody you can pour your heart out to and, and you can trust. I, I think the modern word for it is um, vulnerable. We do not like to be vulnerable today. That's just not scriptural. So I, I don't want nobody to know. Well, don't get healed. I like getting healed. I'm going to tell you, we, we just, uh, years ago, four of us men uh, got together. and We decided that we're going to love each other and take care of each other. We met once a week. We prayed for each other all week, four men. But the rules were, anything said in here stays in here. And if you get caught lying, you get kicked out. And man, we prayed for each other. We were all sort of in the same age, headed in the same direction, same vision. And we told each other our problems. We prayed for each other. We loved each other. We became the dearest friends. That's a Barnabas. You need people like that in your life. And, and let, me, let me say this. 
uh, 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 Barnabas's don't need Susie's. This is boy, boy, girl, girl. Are you with me? Boys need to have boys. Girls need to have girls. You saw I'm mentoring her. Not anymore, you're not. If you're a boy. Now, when it comes into that, who knows whether you're a boy or girl stuff. I don't know what to tell you about that stuff. Bless your heart. All I know is what the Bible says. But boys need to be with boys and girls need to be with girls. Obviously, you understand why. All right. Let me, let me say this now. If you're going to find somebody like this, you need to qualify them. And the Bible says they need to have two qualifications. Number one, obviously, is character. You need to find somebody who's got character. You can't trust somebody with your deepest secrets who goes out and spreads it in lies. You, you don't want to find somebody who's running around on their wife to do this. Too. You won't find somebody who's got the character you want in your life. I keep going, character is so important. We keep going back to character. But let me tell you something else. You need to have somebody who's got the same life vision you do. Y'all are headed in the same direction. Listen to Amos chapter 3, verse 3. Can two walk together lest they be agreed? Me and you can't get along unless we're headed in the same place. You know, if your greatest goal in life is to see how many cheeseburgers you can eat, me and you don't need to be together. I want to do more than that. You know, if, if your goal is to rip off the government and live on welfare, me and you don't need to be talking together. That's not, that's not my goal. You need to have somebody who's got the same life vision you do. You need to have, a man needs to have somebody. I would have a man that wants to be a great husband and father. I want a man that wants to know Jesus. I want a man that wants to help people. I want a man that wants to accomplish something with his life and don't want to sit down at 65. Can I get a witness? I got to have people. You got to have people that are going where you're going. Let me teach you something from scripture. And this is a principle you'll never break. People argue with me. You're arguing with the Lord. You will never rise above your closest friends. You will never rise above your closest friends. Um, the Bible says, all through scripture, the Bible says this. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. You know what it means? Don't be deceived. Don't you dare think you'll ever rise above your closest friends. Sometimes young people, I love young people. They're crazy as a loon, but I love them. I love young people. They'll say, you can't judge me by my friends. Let me tell you something. Show me who you hang around with. I'll tell you where you're going to be in a year. Listen, listen to me. You, when I do premarital counseling, uh, I talk to them and I say, you know, no crackhead sleeping on the couch. Don't drag somebody from home work that's on dope. Get, that, get them out of there. Listen, we love people. We're going to help people. I'm talking about your closest friends here. You need to have people that are going where you're going. Can two walk together lest they be agreed? Find somebody that's going where you're going. And this is that close, close friend that would do like that. It'd be nice if this were mates. Be nice if it were husband and wives, wouldn't it? Well, that's the way he designed it to be. That's why he said, I will, listen, I'm going to quote it again. And it's not good that a man should be alone. I will make a battle axe for him. <laughs> no, I will make a help. Girls, God put you two together so you could help that man meet the challenges of life. You're the, he needs to be a better man because he's married to you. I'm thinking about quitting. <laughs> Men, listen to me. It's your turn. She needs to be a better woman because she's married to you. Amen. Great. I say something about men. <laughs> Women. Hoo-hoo. Hallelujah. <laughs> Our mates should be better people because they're married to us. I will make a help meet. Iron needs to sharpen iron in a marriage. I've got, I got to get under it. Number three, there's a third person you need in your life. And this is where the American church has missed it. You need a Timothy in your life. You need somebody that's a little further down the road you, than you are that'll help you. That's Paul. You need somebody right here beside you that's running the same lane you are. That's Barnabas. But you need somebody back there that you can help. And that, that's a Timothy. 
Because we got all kinds of people need help and some of you could do it. And a Timothy in your life is somebody that, that you're fathering. I, I want to show you something. Turn me in, back to 2 Timothy chapter uh, 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Now we've already established <clears throat> we've already established that the apostle Paul, this man named Paul, he took this young guy Timothy, drew him close to him and was a father to him and taught him these things and coached him through life. You can call it a life coach, whatever you want to call it, but he was a spiritual father to him. But guess why he did that to him? Watch this, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. You therefore, my son, no, he always called him his son. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that's in Jesus and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. What did he say? He said, I've fathered you and I want you fathering people. He said, I want you doing for people behind you what I've done for you. And that's a, that's a Timothy. That's somebody in your life that needs the encouragement. They, they need to... I've often wished I, in our churches that I could have set up men with boys. You know, so many boys don't have a father figure today. And a few times in the years I've been able to do this, I'll never forget I had a fellow one time, he was a Baptist preacher. His church fired him because he went square dancing. And it, it really hurt him bad. You know, churches are nuts. Hurt him real bad. He didn't go to church for a long time. He just quit going. And finally, he, we, we had a big bash one day. We used to do the craziest things in church. We don't do here. We're just, we do the same thing here. We used to do the craziest things in our church years ago. And uh, we, we had a, a, I just said, let's bring the whole football team and the high school band to church one Sunday. And we baited him to get him in there with the different stuff. And he came because his son was in the high school band. And uh, God spoke to him that day and he became one of my strong helpers. And I said, look, I got a lady who's got three children and these boys are uh, needing help. I'll just say that. They need help. Didn't have a dad. They need help. And this guy's name, his name was Royce. And Royce was sort of stern, which is good. You know, ratty boys need a stern man. All right. I said, Royce, I want you to take them boys and follow them boys. Man, he, he, did, he loved them. He taught them boys how to use a pocket knife. He taught them how to tie ropes. He taught them how to fish. He taught them how to work. He taught them how to respect their mama. He taught them how to love Jesus. He taught them how to be good, upstanding young citizens. I don't know where them boys would have been if that man hadn't become a Paul to them. Demons, we got a, young, a lot of young folks need help today. And a lot of gray hairs riding around in foliage tours and farting around doing nothing. <laughs> they need to be helping them people. He said, Paul said, what I've taught you, you do for younger men. You've got to help these people. That's why he said in Titus chapter 2, verse 2, I would that the older women sit around and gossip. No, I would that the older women teach the younger women. Now, we have got to get, the American church has missed it. We need to pour our lives into younger people and uh, need, to, need to care for these folks. Look with me in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4. Just turn one page there. <clears throat> now listen, listen. This is the man who poured his life into this young preacher. But look what he tells him in 1 Timothy 4.12. 1 Timothy 4.12. Let no one despise your youth, but what? Be an example to the believers. He, he said, I've been an example to you. Now you be an example. And, and you let these people see your love. Let them see your spirit. Let them see your conduct. You be an example to other people. We have got to embrace this responsibility again in the American church that I'm supposed to help people that are a little bit behind me. And to be an example to them. All right, let me ask you a question. What is the goal of a father? Now, I want, you to, I want to quote to you. We won't look at it, but 1 John chapter 2 talks about the ages we go through as believers. Do you know when you're a brand new Christian, what's it, what are you called? 
a baby Christian. Desire the sincere milk of the word. You get saved, you start learning. And the Bible says there's three stages of our lives. It has nothing to do with your chronological age. I know 80-year-olds are still sucking on pacifiers. There'd be one amen out there. That's a former preacher. I know 80-year-olds that are still sucking on pacifiers. It's time for you to grow up. Now, listen, if you're pooping in your diapers and barf, if you're doing that when you're three months old, fine. If you're doing it at 45, it's time for you to grow up, doc. Can I get a witness? All right, I'm sorry. All right. But the Bible talks about three stages. And it says this. 1 John 2 starts in verse 12 and goes on. I have written to you little children because you've gotten to know the Father. I've written to you young men because you're strong and the word of God abides in you and you have whooped the evil one. But I've written to you, not old men, fathers. Fathers. And he puts it in three stages. Little children, young men, not old men. What's the difference between an old man and a father? An old man is just old. A father is somebody that takes care of children. And what does the Bible teach you and me? When I've been in the faith a while and I've been here a long time and I'm getting some years on me, I don't need to be an old man just sit around Biscuit Bill. <laughs> I need to be a father and be taking care of younger people. We've got to get back to mentoring younger people and caring for younger people uh, in our lives. I tell you what, do uh, my goal is to reproduce myself. We want to reproduce. Let me, tell, let me show you something cool. Turn me to Philippians again. Let's, uh, we've got to get this Bible broken before I get going. Philippians chapter 2. All right, Philippians is, this is the end of the old man's life here. He's in his 60s. That was a long life back then. Life expectancy was 45 years in that age. He'd lived 60 some years. He'd been following Jesus 30 some years. He'd planted churches. He'd written all his letters. And of all this man had accomplished in his life, I want you to look at what he said in Philippians chapter 3. Uh, excuse me, Philippians chapter 2. He's writing to this church that, he, listen, this man, Paul, if you read his letters, his heart just bleeds out for these people. You just hear the Father's love he has for these people. Matter of fact, in Philippians 1, he said, You are my joy. You're my crown in the Lord. God is my witness how greatly I long for you all with the effect. He loved these people so much. Watch what he says here in Philippians chapter 2, verse 19, Philippians 2, 19. I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly. Now, who's, who's Timothy? This is the young man that he'd mentored and cared for and fathered. That I also may be encouraged when I know your state. Watch these words. I have no one like-minded. What does that mean? I don't have anybody else that's like me who will sincerely care for your condition. Everybody seeks their own stuff, not the things of Jesus. What did he say? I'm going to send Timothy. He said, he's the only one I got that's like me that really cares about what happens to you. What do you hear right there? What's God saying to us right here? We need to reproduce people that have the heart that we do. And need to pour our lives into people so that they can do what we've been doing. And that's, uh, that's what the Bible talks about is, but you need, you need a Timothy in your life. Now listen, a lot of people say, well, Brother Brian, I'm not, I don't know if I'm good enough to do this. Good enough's not the issue. You don't have to be perfect. If you have to be perfect, none of us are qualified. You just need to be sincere. And you have to want to help people. Do you know how many people are floundering today because they couldn't find anybody to just talk to? to cheer for them, to send them a text once in a while. We need to pour our lives into people. Amen. All right, I need to tighten up a little bit here. Let me illustrate this for you. You know what, you, know what, you ever heard of Swamp People? Not the TV show. I'm talking about in the church. You know what Swamp People are? You know, like that nurse told me with them needles, it's probably going to hurt a little bit. You know what Swamp People are? All right, what's a swamp? A swamp is... What makes, what turns a river into a swamp? 
It takes in, but it never gives out. A swamp is stale water that can't move. It takes in, but it doesn't give anything out. Tell me what hangs around swamps. The answer is serpents. Somebody say serpents. Serpents hang around swamps. And uh, you know, how does a river become a swamp? It keeps taking in, but it quits giving out. Demons, we don't want to be swamp people that just feed me, brother Brian, feed me. Oh, feed me. Oh. <laughs> Dear ones, believers need to take in. You need to be fed, but what else you need to be doing? How many Christians I know that are old as I am and older and they're swamp people? They never give out. They just eat and never give out. I'm having fun tonight. If you ain't, they eat. They don't never give out. And before, you know what I always found about these people? Before long, they become the habitation of serpents. Complaining, whining, groaning. You know who the happiest people on earth are? Those that are pouring their lives out for other people. I mean, they got them a grand. Uh, Jack... Uh, Jack Taylor, my buddy, he preached till he couldn't preach. I think he was 85 or 6 when he finally just couldn't do it anymore. He just physically, he just couldn't do it anymore. So you know what he did? He called all the brand new young preachers in his town in Florida. Said, meet me at my house once a week. He fed them lunch and then he'd sit with them and love on them and answer their questions and tell them how to handle things in church. And he texted them all week and cared for them. Even at 86, he didn't sit down. He did what he could to pour his life into other people. You need some Timothys in your life. You need somebody to do that for and uh, we don't want to be swamp people. You know what we don't want to be? We don't want to stand in front of Jesus in Matthew 25 and him say, what'd you do with that treasure I gave you? I buried it and just kept eating. Oh, I just kept eating. Mm. All right, I'm done beating on you. All right, here. You need a Paul in your life. You need a Barnabas in your life. You need to pick up some Timothys in your life. There's one more person you need in your life. You need a family. You need a family. This is getting to be tough in America right now. I understand that. You were created for family. You weren't just created for Jesus. You were created for family. One of my favorite verses, Psalm 68, 6 says this. God puts the lonely in a family. How many lonely people do we have today? They got people all around them. They're elbow to elbow, but the heart is not connecting with people. You need a family. You see this right here, what we got going on right here tonight, what we got going on Sunday. You're not going to find family in here. This is too big for family right here. All right. Um, God Almighty designed the church to be the family that everybody's looking for. I love you, but I'm, we have failed miserably in the American church. Our American churches have become preaching stations. And, they, and it's good to learn. We're supposed to learn. And they've become music stations. And they've become, heaven knows what all they are. But we've not done the family thing in the American church. And I'm not criticizing. I'm just saying we've got to do something. You know why? There has never been a time in this nation when people are more lonely. Never been a time when people are looking for more connection with people. And we're failing miserably in the church at this. All right. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12. Let's look at this real quick before we depart. And let me show you what you're looking for. People, you are designed at heart level. God put this stuff in our hearts. It's not good for a man to be alone. People want somebody in their lives to share life with. They don't want to just share a mortgage with people, a bed with people, a, a job. They want, they want to share life with people. Uh, through the years, I've met women that, you know, were single, older, whatnot. And, tired. you know, I just, I, sometimes I speak too much. And I'll say, well, I find you a husband. <laughs> I son, the fangs come out. I mean, you thought I'd have cussed their grandma. Well, you know what that tells me? They had one. 
and he was a bad one, and he hurt them. God did not design people to hurt each other. He designed people to help each other, care for each other. And listen to me, listen to me. Do not give up on people just because you've been burned. Don't quit. All right, 1 Corinthians, I don't know how in the world, I asked a professor one time, how did we get this out of this? How did we get the American church out of here? And his answer was so complicated, I couldn't even understand it, but it wasn't right. Don't tell me this book is not right. 1 Corinthians 12 is where he says, this is what it's supposed to look like. Let me read you a few verses out here. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 18. God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. Listen, God puts people in a family. It's talking about the church. God puts people in churches. Why? So they can be fussed at and bored? No. Let me quote again Psalm 68. He sets the lonely in a family. And then here's the reasons why. Look, look at this with me. Verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. No, the head to the feet, I don't. Listen, listen to me. Look at verse 21. You can't tell me you don't need people. You can't say, well, I don't need nobody. When somebody says, I don't need nobody in my life, that's a wounded soul. You were designed to have people in your life. You, you need it. You say, well, I got Jesus. I'm sorry, Doc. The man tells the truth. You've got to have people in your life. We long for people. All right? Uh, we need people in our life. You can't say you don't need people. Verse 23. Uh, the members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. Right, this is where we're getting hurt in our churches. We're not honoring people anymore. We don't treat people with great honor anymore. One of the purposes of the church is that everybody gets honored. You know, uh, I was talking about Bob earlier. Bob just retired this week. Bob was our custodian here for years. Did a wonderful job. Well, in most churches, everybody oohs and awes and slobbers over the preacher, but they don't pay no attention to the custodian. What's it say in that verse right there? If you're going to honor anybody, honor him. There ought to be a place where everybody's honored equally. We hadn't done a very good job in our churches on this. But God's design was that everybody gets honored. I may have told you this before. My dad had a best friend, and uh, my brother's best friend was his son. And they, they, they had, they had, he, he, they had two boys. My dad had two boys. I was the same age with Joe and my brother, the same age with Bobby. And Bobby was a brilliant young man. Uh, went to Davidson, valedictorian of Davidson, went to UNC. I mean, I don't hold that against him. Went to UNC medical school <laughs> and became a surgeon. He's a brilliant surgeon in Charlotte. Uh, that was my brother's, but he was his age. But Joe was my age. Joe was uh, mentally handicapped. And uh, Joe, Joe just, you know, Bobby was just brilliant surgeon and Joe's mentally handicapped. The dad's name was Bill. I never saw Bill treat either one of them boys any different. He, he never cheered on his doctor son and didn't cheer on his handicapped son. He bragged on both. He, cheer, he bragged on uh, Joe the same day Joe finally learned how to tie his own shoes as a grown man the way he did his other son when he got out of medical school. There was no differentiation. He treated them boys just alike, just as proud of them. And you know what that is? That's the way God means people to treat each other. That we honor those whom we think whatever. We don't always think right. Then church is a place where everybody's honored. People say, I got I'm important to them people down there. This is the biblical design. And here's the reason he puts this together. Uh, verse 25. That there should be no division in the body, but that the members should do what? Care for one another. You don't go to church to get beat up. You should be in a group of people that care about you and take care of you and love you and look after you Verse 26, if one member suffers, what happens? Everybody suffers. If one member gets a raise at work, what does everybody do? 
They cheer. You know, you come up driving a new Cadillac. I'm not mad because you got one and I didn't. You got the payments. <laughs> Keep your payments. No, no. We, we, we suffer together and we rejoice together. That's what church is supposed to be. You need, God wants you in a church. And unfortunately, as I said, we've not done such a great job at this. Let me take just a minute. Um, I'm just going to quote it. Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47 are the model for the church that he meant it to be. We're so far from it. And in there it says churches should do six things. This needs to be in your church or your group or whatever. Here's what it said. Number one, churches should grow together. They continue steadfast. We, we want to learn how to follow Jesus. We all do that together. Number two, churches should enjoy being together. You don't just get in there and sit through the service and the three minutes after the preacher says amen, the parking lot's empty. You need to enjoy being with these people. Number three, the Bible says they eat together. They, it says they prayed, they studied the Bible. The only thing it said twice was that they ate together. There was a family that don't eat together is not a family. You need to eat together. And obviously it's not for the food's sake. Number four, it says they pray together. Churches need to pray with each other and pray together. We used to have these things called cottage prayer meetings years ago. Usually before something's coming up, we'd get together, we'd break up. Everybody get in cottage prayer meetings and eight, 10, 12 people go to this home, eight, 10, 12 to that home, do it all over the place. They get together, we sit and we'd just sit and pray. And I'm going to say some of the sweetest times. Pray for each other. Pray for our needs together. It's just something happens when people pray together for each other. It's wonderful. Number five, you need to share with each other. And he said they shared everything they had between each other. And then number six, you need to take care of each other. When this one was in trouble, they came in and took care of them. That's church. That's what he meant church to be. You see how far we are from. I'm not criticizing. I'm just saying we've not, we've not met the New Testament model. Well, you're not going to do it in a group this big. You're not going to do it on the Sunday group that's here. Guess how we're going to do this? Small groups. You need a small group of people to get around you and do this with. And you need what these folks had. Listen to what Paul said. God is my witness how greatly I long to be with you all. You get a good small group going like I was talking about me and them three guys together. You get one of those going with you, maybe some couples, and you'll say, I can't wait till we meet again next Tuesday night. He created you for that. And you need that in your lives. Now let me, uh, let, let me, let me quit. Let me say this. Do I have to have all them? Nope. You don't have to have nobody. You don't, need a, you don't have to have a Paul in your life. Bump your head against the wall. You don't have to have a Barnabas in your life. Be lonely. You don't have to have a Timothy in your life. Waste your life not helping anybody. <laughs> and you don't need to go to church. Just buy you a Bible. Be Tom T. Hall. Me and Jesus got our own thing going. We don't need nobody. That's hogwash. It's not do I have to do it. Get off your religious nonsense. Let me, let me remind you. Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Part of abundant life is having somebody you can call and say, help me. Part of abundant life is having somebody that's going where you're going with you. Y'all are together. Part of abundant life is the joy of having people that you're helping. And part of abundant life is having a group of people you can't wait to be around. Amen. It, it's not about bare minimum requirements. It's about the best life we can have. And you need that. All right, you ready? Now, hit, let me say this. Um, you, you need a Paul. You need a Barnabas. You need a church. And there's a Timothy that needs you somewhere. And there's a church that needs, there's a group that needs you. All right, you ready? Here we go. I'm asking four questions. Number one, who is the Paul in your life? Who do you have as a, as a model, mentor, uh, whatever you want to call it? Who's your spiritual father? Who's your spiritual mother? Let's pray for that. Let's pray God give you that. Question number two, who's the Barnabas in your life?
Who do you have in your life that you can, you can text at any time, pray for me when in trouble here? Help me. It's good if this is in family. I'm in, uh, I'm, me and Ken Helzer sitting on the picnic table one day telling lies to each other, having the best time. We just fellowship. We just, I enjoy it. We li- I lived beside Ken Helzer for a while. We had the best time just visiting together. Sitting there one day and he, he got a text. He said, oh my goodness. He said, we got to pray. I said, what is it? And it was a text from his son, Jonathan. And uh, Jonathan probably wouldn't appreciate me telling this. Well, I'm already into it. Might as well. What do you reckon? Don't nobody, don't nobody call him. And he got a text from Jonathan and uh, he said, dad, and he was in the Lowe's, the, the boys Lowe's, you know, where they have home stuff. He's in the boys Lowe's. Jonathan Hells it right. Some of the music we do up here. And he said, dad said, I don't know where all these girls came from, but there's all these half naked girls in here and I'm lusting. He said, would you pray for me? Oh, you wouldn't dare say amen to that, would you? <laughs> How many of you would have texted your daddy and said, pray for me. These chicks are driving me nuts in here. He said, we need to pray for him. I said, yeah, we do. And I just remember thinking, what kind of relationship do these guys have that you can call your dad and say, I'm struggling with lust. Number one, why are naked girls in the lows? (laughs) You belong in the grocery store lows, not the boys lows. That's what, so, oh, how terrible. No, no, you, you a Pharisee. Then let me make an announcement. We all struggle. And we need somebody we can talk to. And that, that's why we, who, who is the Barnabas in your life? Who do you have you could call at two o'clock in the morning and say, help me? Pray, say, put some other, listen, let me go back again. Acts chapter 13, the Holy Spirit put them two guys together. Holy Spirit said, you two go together. Ask him, who are you going to yoke me up with? Who are you going to put me together with? And, and do that. Who is the Timothy in your life? Who's the person you're, you're bringing them along? You're, you're sending them text and you're cheering for you. You pray and you let them know I'm praying for you. I love you. What can I do? And you help them along and you, and you say, no, that's stupid. Don't do that. <laughs> and you, and you, you, who's your Timothy? Timothy's. Get more than what we got so many that need it today. Let me tell you something. Young men's lives are in the balance today. They're either going to be on drugs or they're going to be great fathers. Guess why? Not if God helps them, if you help them. We need to, we need to get involved in their lives. And uh, where, where are you going to church at? So I go to Lamb's Chapel. You need more than what we do in here. I mean, this, I'm glad you're here, especially for another week or two. I'm glad you're here. But there was, you need a group of people that you can do this with, four, five, six couples, or, or four, five, six ladies, four, five, six men. You need a group of people you can get together and try this with. This is the goodness of God in your life. And you need to pray about this thing. Then you need to get going, all right? All right, I'm going to pray over this for you. And then I'll, don't go anywhere. I got some I'm going to share that I'm very excited about. And then uh, we'll pray after that. But I want you to think about what you've heard tonight. I didn't make this up. This is script, this all through scripture. And I want you to say to the father, say, I wish I had somebody older than me that's been there that could help me. How many young women need this in their lives? I want you to pray and say, Father, I wish I had somebody to walk with me that knit my heart with somebody. You remember two guys named David and Jonathan? Remember them? God knit their hearts together. He, he did this all through Scripture. Moses and Joshua, he knit these people together. And he put people together. You need that. And then say, Lord Jesus, put on my heart some young person, younger than me, or somebody new in the faith that you may not be able to sign a contract with them, spend a lot of time. There needs to be somebody, put somebody in my life I can help. That I, that you just, you put the light on them and say, take them under your wing right there and love them. And I really wish y'all would work on this small group thing. I don't push, I don't, like, I don't get a rebate for y'all being in small groups or nothing. 
I'm not working on a percentage. I don't, I'm not on commission here, nothing like that. I just know how good it is when you got people. How many people have I looked? I've been here 20 years now. Hundreds of people were in this church at one time. They're in trouble now. They're not here. They're in trouble now. You know why? What we've talked about tonight. They didn't have anybody to take care of them. They didn't have anybody to surround them. Some people say they fell through the cracks. No, we didn't meet the biblical standard. All right, I'm going to pray for you. Lord Jesus, thank you for this. You, you thought of everything. I mean, it's just how foolish is it for me to say this, but it's like you thought of everything. <laughs> you created our hearts with certain needs. You created us with, as needy people, and then you've got, you've got the answer for everything, and it's in your word. Father, there's not a person in this room that doesn't need somebody to lean on. I, I know what a blessing it was to me to, to have one man that I could look to and say, what would he do? And, and look at that. I want that spirit he's got. I want to love my family like he loves his family. I want to love the word like he loves the word. And what a blessing it's been. I could have got it out of the scriptures, but thank you for putting a man in my life. And I pray for everybody in this room that have somebody that could be a spiritual father or mother to them. Now, Father, the people you've yoked with through the years as brothers, you have blessed me. Pray for everybody in this room to have somebody like that. And then, Father, one of my joys, oh, what a joy to have people say, you, you carried me. You help me. I want everybody in this room to know that. And Lord Jesus, I want to, on this one, I want to encourage you to prompt people's hearts and say, you don't have to have it all figured out to get going. Go ahead and help people. You can do it. So I pray for that. And then, dear Jesus, I, you know, I've just, I agonize over this thing called church. We're, we're missing it in so many areas, especially in the family side. The only thing I know is small groups. And your word said they met in the temple and from house to house. I pray for people here that they'll, they'll get together and say, we're going to get some couples coming to our house and we're going we're gonna to learn how to do this child rearing thing together and we're going to learn how to live in the marketplace together. We're going to learn how to do this stuff together. We're going to love each other. You created us to need people and I'm grateful for that. I love you and need you. But thank you that you created us to need people. So I'm going to pray a simple prayer for everybody in this room. Put these people in their lives and make them the people in somebody's lives. I trust you for that. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for doing this. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.